I'm Jordan Goodman. And I'm Justin Goodman. We're third-generation insurance agency owners and also brothers. Even though we had the same upbringing, we see the world very differently. This caused significant issues in our early years, but we eventually embraced the idea that every coin needs two sides to be complete. In 2018, we launched our second company, Total CSR, with the aim of reducing new-to-industry onboarding timeframes from two years to two months. Since then, we've traveled the country speaking to thousands of agency owners and their teams, and we've come to realize two things. We all struggle with similar challenges, regardless of size and location, and oftentimes, we are too embarrassed to ask for help. The Independent Agent Podcast is our attempt to provide helpful answers to your most difficult questions, anonymously, of course. Thanks for listening. Welcome to episode 42 of The Independent Agent. This is Justin across from me. Yes. And this is Jordan across from me. Uh, Very well done, Jordan. I'm just getting excited for a party. You might call it an island party. And that's just the drink we're having for today. Wow. <laughs> island party. What does this consist of? So when I made it, I realized it's pretty much just a... Why am I blanking on the name? Did you take the nootropics? I didn't. The the white blended drink that you have when you're like sitting poolside. Not a daiquiri, a pina colada. It's basically a pina colada in liquid form. So it is two parts coconut juice or coconut water. Sorry. <laughs> Honestly. Pina colada. Yeah. Pineapple juice, lime. The lime I don't think is in a pina colada normally. Ice and then, oh, but it's it's instead of a rum, it's tequila. So, island party we go. All right. That one, no. Yeah. Not not good. It tastes it tastes pina colada y, but almost as bad as a normal pina colada. I feel like if I went behind a bar and you asked me to mix a bunch of things together, this would not taste like that. Yeah, it's not very good. It's not much of a party. Fortunately, I've got my ultra. Hmm? Yep. You've got your ultra. You're so jelly right now. So jelly. Isn't that from South Park? I'm so jelly. I'm so jelly. <laughs> That's a terrible impression. <laughs> and I forgot to tell Trent I had a South Park joke I was going to tell him. Not safer here, but. Why is it safer here? It's not a safe space for that. Here we go. Question one. The agency I work for has started a campaign to offer cyber coverage to every commercial client. Our commercial lines team is... I'm already out. <laughs> wow. Cyber... We, we have like two cyber policies we sell. Would you let me finish the question, sir? Our commercial lines team has inst been instructed to collect a signed declination for any client who does not want the coverage. Do you feel a signed declination is necessary? And if we collect this for cyber, should we not be collecting them for any other coverage that's offered and declined? Like every public company does that exists out there, and like that one form that we have on the back of all of our proposals that say, hey, we offer 74 other coverages. By accepting our proposal, you've acknowledged that you've chosen to decline these coverage offerings. Yes, that's what she's referring to. Yeah, but I think she wants them per each line of coverage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ours is just general. So is the company we worked at prior to here. Mm -hmm. It was just a big list of them. Well, this is for this one. So clearly there's not a policy in place for other stuff right now. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, sure. 
Yes, you you can do that. You gave up before this question was even asked. I, because we you, have... You heard the word cyber and you just bailed. Because we have so few companies that have cyber coverage. I mean, we insure contractors, so... And they are unwilling to look at it. They purchase what they need to get on a job. And we are lucky if we can convince them to buy excess policies if they don't need them to get on a job. Most of my clients have excess pollution. They've got professional liability. Most of your clients do not have pollution. You're full of it. You have like maybe 10% of your clients have pollution. False. I only have two clients now. <laughs> do you? Okay. Perfect. So that, that was your answer there? I mean, I, I, can, I can go more. No, it's fine. I want to speak. Speak. So here's the problem anytime you have a sign-off. Unless you've clearly indicated on some portion of a proposal in layperson's terms what this coverage actually is designed to do, and, oh, you, miss or Mr. Insured, are at risk for this, and this is something that you're essentially going to self-insure for, unless you're very explicit with it, you're going to have trouble down the road because what's going to happen is you're going to say you sit in a courtroom and the expert witness says to the insured, did you read this? No, they just told me to sign here. Like when you go and you're signing a mortgage or anything like that. And, and yes, you do have a duty to read, but unless you are very deliberate, it's going to be problematic for you down the road because they're going to just say, they just told me to sign here. They didn't explain it to me. They said we were short on time, I had to do it and go from there. So I think you have to, as a matter of practice, when something is that important that you feel you need to sign off for, explain it in layperson's terms so that they understand what that exposure is, make sure that that conversations take place, you got it signed, then you go back to your office and in your notes say, we had this conversation on this day about this. There should be very few and far between type of things that are this important that you have to have a sign off for. If it's important enough that your agency feels it needs to have a sign off, then it's important enough to go back and actually put a note in the system. We had this conversation on this date. So you have backup evidence other than just a signature. But here's where I don't buy the whole thing, because we only do that on coverages we know that they don't have, not know that they probably don't have. For example, if you have a smaller contractor, right, and we pick up their comp in GL, we ask about their auto and they go, oh, I've got a personal auto policy, right? And I've, I've got hired not owned on my GLs as an endorsement. We're not pushing them to consider rolling their personal vehicle onto their corporate policy and doing those kind of things. Or if we write the GL and the comp is with someone else, right? We're not asking them to sign off that they have workers comp with someone else. We're just taking it for granted that they do because they've communicated to us. But there's a difference that in this case, we have offered with this existing proposal, a cyber proposal. That's what this is referencing. No, I don't think it is. Yeah, it is. It's just saying that we're, that we're, we're saying, Oh my gosh. Assign declination for anyone who does not want the coverage. Not that, not that a proposal is being offered. Start a campaign to offer cyber coverage to every commercial client. Our commercial alliance team has been instructed to collect a signed declination of anyone. So I'm, I'm reading between the lines here, but okay. Obviously, th then it's an obvious one. If you're putting together a proposal and they're not buying it, then absolutely. But I'm talking about the offerings because that's where you get in trouble. 
if you offer a proposal and they don't buy it and they buy something else with you, then yes, they should sign off on it. But where everyone I've ever talked about is the concern is, and even back at our previous agency, why didn't you offer us EPLI? Why didn't you offer us DNO? Why didn't you offer us ENO or pollution or, or professional liability? Those are the kind of things where the quote is not included, but hey, you're supposed to be the professional, you're supposed to understand the risk and, and provide the options. So I think I think it's, it's it's an entirely different conversation. And I just didn't read it that way. So if you're if you're reading it correctly and a quote has been put in the proposal for that cyber, then one hundred percent you need to make sure they sign off. If not, then no. I'm glad you see the question my way now. I, I don't I don't see it your way. I don't think it's a question worth asking if it's if it's your way. You never know. Yeah. But to that point, let's say you're, you're working on someone's package policy or comp policy and they're not a client of yours and they don't sign with you, right? It's kind of the same thing, right? No. Yeah, because they're de- declining your coverage. One is they're, de- they're declining to, no, to take advantage of the coverage. Is, one is they're an existing customer of mine. I have a, a duty and obligation. That obligation is not the same thing when I'm trying to quote the business. Once I they accept, right, my burden on me is much higher than, hey, I'm just quoting it. Because if they never quote, we never have a transaction. Or if they never bind it, we never have a transactional relationship. Yeah, I guess. I'm just, I think a lot of it is semantics. You just wanted to finish that one, didn't you? Finish what? This drink? You want to have terrible. the last word on that. No, I'll have the last word by asking this question. Our agency has always offered extended hours to our 6 p.m., what? To 6 p.m. at night. So they can work till 6 if they want. During the week with emergency on call for non-office hours. I am being asked to have staff available until 8 p.m. on weekdays and on Saturday mornings. This is a logistical nightmare and employees are less than thrilled. Do you feel these types of hours are necessary? Is there any way to make these long days more appealing to employees? I don't understand in what world that would ever be needed. And yet there are agencies that do it. There are agencies that have their staff be on call until 8 o'clock at night because they and on Saturday mornings. To take claims. They tend to be on the personal line side. Yeah, but, but all of those ones have carriers that do that. You can call and file a claim with the carrier directly. Correct, but they, as part of their practice, they, here's the truth. Bad your, business, my opinion. Your customer, if they're calling after hours in this day and age, is perfectly fine talking to somebody at the insurance company to turn in the claim and or to deal with a messaging service or a claims group that you've outsourced. If if you really have like high-end clientele, maybe I see that. But for the everyday customer, let's say the personal lines agency that you run, you might make on all lines 1200 bucks on this homeowner and their autos, et cetera. That's not enough money to keep people late and long and to just have life be that miserable. And it's not an effective use of dollars and it creates instability for all your staff. I'm surprised it's not a a bigger issue. I think it's more of a dogmatic approach. My gut is that your agency principal is north of 70 with this, this type of approach. I'm just saying this is how it used to be done. Some people still hang on and they they believe this false sense of security that if they know we're there the after hours, then they feel that much more comfortable. Well, 99% of your customers won't have a claim. 
you're catering to the 1% that will only then have a claim during these off hours and need your response. If they're a large enough customer, they'll have the producer's cell phone and you exactly. can get them off. If they're not, they can expect service. Just like if I went to a store back when you could go to stores and I want to return something, right? If it's after hours, I got to wait till the next day. I understand that. I guess I'm not as well versed in, in bad business practices as you are, but this is awful. Someone had to be. That like, yes, your your employees should walk out of the office and stand in the parking lot over this one. It's literally the worst idea I think I've ever heard of any of any insurance agency. Tell me how you really feel. You know, on second thought. Yeah. No, I hate it. I still hate it. It's awful. By the way, can I because we finished this one quickly, can I tell you about my dream I had? Your dream? How do you know I wasn't finished ranting? I knew you were finished. <laughs> okay. Your dream. So your big renewal meeting tomorrow. Yes. And how Lauren was asked to be in attendance and I wasn't. Not that I I wanted to go to begin with because it's your customer. Client. I don't have customers. I have clients. Okay. You have clients. I think you have customers. Anywho, I had this dream that somehow I got invited and there was all... Definitely a dream. Yeah. You were never included to this one. But it's a father-son's business, so there's transition stuff. So anyway, my dad was going and like we're invited to his house and we're supposed to like hang out and it turns into this extended family party and reunion and everybody knows the rules of the game and the whole agenda and I was supposed to like perform in a talent show and didn't know and I was a last minute invite. So it's a very bizarre dream which makes me very glad that I don't have to be there for tomorrow's meeting. I don't, the performing thing is interesting. He had an amazing art collection in my dream. I'll let you know tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely weird. Almost as weird as when you woke up a few days ago and you were angry with me because... I was right to be angry. Because would you say I, I, I kicked a ball or something in your dream? I had a dream and we were golfing together and you cheated. Mm-hmm. And I was upset about it when I woke up in the morning. And even though it was a dream, I was still upset. Hmm. And that was a real thing. And you didn't apologize. Maybe you've been cheating on the course and these are your own, you know. False. I don't know. I've seen that foot wedge come out every now and again. Mm. Yeah. Not happening with me. Okay. Well, that was a productive episode. <laughs> Some of our best work. So if you don't feel like reviewing this time, don't. But if that was like, whoa, these guys are geniuses. And if I must if you could find the gem in this one, please let us know. Because Jordan's still searching. Even the drink sucked. I mean. <laughs> you get honesty with us. Honesty. Honesty, forthrightness. Candor. Scholarly gentlemanness. And you get to hear about my dreams. And Justin's dreams. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs>